Welcome to The Lottery Podcast on Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleacher Report. This week's episode is brought to you by Untuck It. And this week, we are going to be going over my newly released top 50 NBA draft prospect big board. A lot has changed since the last time I put one out. We got a new number two, new number three. I mean, a, a lot has changed outside of my number one prospect who is currently out with an injury, and that is LaMelo Ball, who's still on the sidelines in Australia watching, probably not coming back. But uh, he sits there at number one, we'll go over it in a second. Before we dive in, I got to say, this has got to be one of the strangest NBA draft years uh, I can remember. I have, I've never had such little confidence in my own personal rankings. Right, I mean, you could say that my number two could easily be number 10 on somebody else's board, and I really wouldn't argue with you. Uh, I think Team Fit is going to play a huge role in deciding who goes where, who should go where, who should be ranked where. And so, um, you know, don't get too crazy on who's two versus number four, because I think if the lottery odds or the lottery played out and we saw what the draft order was going to be, that would impact my personal rankings. So I just wanted to mention that before we dive in uh, and you kill me for having so-and-so at number two uh, when he'd probably be a reach for most teams. But depending on who's picking number two, he might be the perfect player. So anyway, let's get into it. And I won't spend too much time on LaMelo Ball since he hasn't played in, what, like a month. And uh, I'm just guessing that he won't come back. He's, he's with the, Haw- the Illawarra Hawks, who are in last place. Uh, there's no reason for Ball to play another minute overseas um, unless he's just itching to get back on there. But given who's around him and his main purpose of going overseas in the first place, which was just to kind of build up some draft stock, build up his reps, show he's mature enough to handle uh, you know, pros and, and grown men, which he, I think he did just fine. You know, Averaged like 17, 7, and 6 at 18 years old, uh, playing against former NBA players, with some former NBA players. Uh, and again, guys who are in their mid-20s and 30s. And I think not only did he handle himself well on the floor, but uh, he showed a lot of growth and maturity off the floor. Um, I say it every time we talk about him, I think the best thing that happened to LaMelo Ball was going through that celebrity phase early in life. I don't think he really needs it anymore. He doesn't crave the spotlight like he used to. If anything, I think uh, he doesn't want the attention. You know, he doesn't want cameras in his face all the time. Um, and so he hasn't acted like he has. He hasn't uh, been seeking attention on the floor with pull-ups from you know 50 feet away. Uh, he played the right way overseas. And yeah, he didn't shoot a high percentage. It would have been crazy to expect him to do that. Um, no, his jumper is not the perfect jumper, uh, but I think it's, it's fixable. And, uh, and otherwise, you know, I just, I'm just banking on his playmaking, his passing IQ, 670. He's going to be able to deliver the same high-level passes that he's delivering right now. Uh, I expect him to be a triple-double threat every time he takes the floor once he kind of grows into himself and, and you know, is a probably two-, three-year player in the NBA. And I don't know. I just I, I feel like he's got such a high floor but also the highest ceiling or one of the highest ceilings among the top uh, prospects worthy of consideration at number one. Having said that, you know, if a team like the Atlanta Hawks gets the first pick and you already have a ball dominator like Trey Young, then, you know, maybe you consider somebody else because LaMelo won't be able to maximize his potential if Trey Young has the ball the whole time. So uh, that's why I'm saying where, you know, don't take these rankings so seriously. They're not, you know, in cement. 
um, they're fluid based on how the draft order will play out. But anyway, in a vacuum, I have LaMelo at number one. And at number two is, I got to say, I surprised myself. But given the uncertainty of everything going on and the injuries to Cole Anthony and, and LaMelo and, and guys overseas playing at a high level and, and, and not many standout, obvious, no-brainer prospects in college right now, I'm valuing high floors in this year's draft. And I think that Isaac Okoro, uh, forward from Auburn, freshman, has one of the highest floors in this draft. And again, just based on everything I know about him and an 18-year-old, I expect him to only continue to improve. And I'm buying the work ethic and his mentality on the floor to continue improving his offensive game, which right now is behind his defense. Um, he's 6'6", 225, you know, at, at minimum. That's what his listing is. He looks bigger and stronger than that. But anyway, he's got the size to defend fours with his strength, but he also has the quickness, the focus to, to lock up around the perimeter. We just saw him um, do a really good job on Anthony Edwards from Georgia, who's also you know in this top three mix. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, I think he's got uh, the most promising defensive future of any of these top prospects out there with his versatility, his toughness, uh, just uh, the way he goes about his approach uh, on defense and and coach Bruce Pearl talks about him like he's you know like he's a 10-year NBA vet you know you can rely on him he's the reason why Auburn is so tough uh, Auburn hasn't lost a game he didn't lose in high school he's just a winner and, and so anyway I he's got to improve a lot offensively to guess, justify number two overall value but the other day he goes for 23 points against Vanderbilt he's beating guys off the dribble he's playmaking he hit a step back three-pointer we see these flashes here and there and I'm just betting on those flashes to eventually uh, turn into consistent occurrences. Um, he's so young. The skill set is, is in place. Um, can he master it? You know, it's anybody's guess. But again, I'm, I'm valuing his floor, his role player qualities. I think he's kind of in the Draymond Green mold. He may never be a 20-point scorer, but he impacts every game he plays, whether he's putting up 20 or whether he's scoring five. So anyway, uh, Okoro, sure, if you said he's number eight on your board, you know, I, I wouldn't argue. Um, but again, uh, the guys who are two, three, four, five, I, ha- I still have a lot of question marks about them. I just don't really have any questions about Okoro. I, I just see him as a lock, long-term NBA player and somebody who I feel super confident is going to uh, contribute to winning basketball. So Okoro at number two, that's a big surprise for me. By the way, he started at number 14. Uh, before the season, he moved to number nine in my last big board. And just over the past week, between the 23-point game against Vanderbilt, between how he kind of locked up Anthony Edwards, I mean, I just feel so good about him being a, a really good, valued NBA player, even, it's, even if it's as a role player. And number three, I got Anthony Edwards. And Anthony Edwards started at number one. Um, LaMelo pushed him down to number two. Uh, a lot of a lot more questions continue to pop up about Edwards, and let's not have no no question mark that he's going to be a very uh, productive NBA scorer, a guy who's probably going to be averaging twenty a game by his second third year in the league. Uh, but production and talent doesn't always translate to winning. And um, Andrew Wiggins is the guy who comes to mind as a guy who's so talented and and, and one of the better scorers in the league, but his value is questionable. You know, I, I wonder what the Timberwolves could get what people would offer in the deal for Wiggins, which is crazy because he's a 20-plus point scorer. He's still young. But does he contribute to winning basketball? The thing with Edwards is he just takes so many bad shots, and he can make all these bad shots, and that's what makes him such a great scorer. On the other hand, he doesn't pick his spots well. I mean, there was a possession against Auburn the other day where he dribbled in the same spot for 15 consecutive seconds 
and then launch the pull-up contested three. And he did that, you know, a couple times where he's just dribble, 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 and launches a shot that he could take any time in the shot clock. It just doesn't have any real feel uh, for shot selection uh, and how to score within the offense. Now, having said that, he's just too talented um, to, to dock in this particular draft. Again, the fact that I know he's going to be a 20-point scorer in the league, that's good enough to be a top-five pick in this draft. And if he ever figures it out, by the way, still 18 years old. Um, so there's so much growth, potential growth, not just with his skill set, but with his basketball IQ. Um, so anyway, in this draft, I'm, I'm valuing that. Sure, he's still a, a top five, probably a top five lock. And teams are always looking for wing scores. Reminds me a lot of Donovan Mitchell, uh, Devin Booker type. Um, but will his mind ever catch up to his talent? You know, that's the big question with him. It's probably worth the gamble, again, that high in this draft. But he moved down to number three. And honestly, I'd say he's on a little bit thin ice with the guys who I have four and five. Uh, number four, I have Onyeka Okangu, um, center from USC. Uh, I, I know it's crazy in, in today's age to have a, a, a center who plays mostly inside to have him that high. Um, but I, I just, he's such an impact defender. And, and the growth that I think he's shown going back to high school, Chino Hills, uh, in terms of his offensive skill set, I think he's more than just 6'9", 245, and super athletic and quick and energetic. I think he's got uh, really impressive post skills, um, not just with his back-to-the-basket game and his righty and lefty hook shots and footwork, but facing up, he's quick. Uh, and we've seen a couple times this year where he, he squares up to his man and then just beats him really fast, really coordinated. Um, and even if he's not scoring with skill, He's scoring with his motor, with his physical tools, and he's impacting games with his defense. He's blocking three shots in under 30 minutes per game. Uh, he, he, he's just raw, and he's still very productive. Um, so I'm buying, the, again, the natural talent, his defensive ceiling, and his room to improve offensively. Uh, and even in today's league, you know, there are productive big men who don't shoot threes. And so uh, he may not be um, the next Carl Anthony Towns, but... At number four overall in this particular draft, you're not getting the next Carl Anthony Towns. You have to you know, play with what you got. And I, again, I think Okongu has just a monstrously high floor um, and a high enough ceiling to say he's worth a top five pick in this draft. Of course, there are going to be some out there who will take James Wiseman, uh, the other center who left Memphis, by the way, after three games over Okongu. But um, I don't think Wiseman has the same defensive uh, motor and intensity and offensively, uh, I think he tries to be somebody he's not, which is a, a perimeter guy. He wants to prove he's, he's, uh, he's like a Towns or like an Embiid, and he's just not nearly skilled enough to be that guy. We'll get to him in a little bit. Okongu, I have at number four. It's time to give a shout-out to Untuck It, because if you've ever seen an Untuck button down, it usually looks bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untucket shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50-plus fit combinations, Untucket shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Personally, I fall under the short category, so this has been an ongoing issue for me my entire life with button-downs. With Untucket, your shirts will never look too baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untucket is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com. The promo code BLUE for 20% off. At number five, I have Cole Anthony. Anthony is, uh, you know, he's always been in that two to five range. Uh, other players playing well, like Okongwu 
and Okoro kind of pushing Anthony down the board. He only played nine games. He shot 36% in those nine games, then hurt his knee. Uh, I'm not going to go too crazy over the 36%. I think a lot of it had to do with North Carolina shooting 29% from downtown as a team. That creates minimal spacing for a guy like Anthony to, to dance with the ball and get to the basket. He was only 6-20 at the rim. Um, he's, not the, he's not the perfect point guard. Um, he had more turnovers than assists, which is pretty crazy. Uh, again, I think his, the lack of talent around him really impacted him and, and led to the inefficiency. But long term, I mean, I think he's, again, he's an obvious scorer in the NBA. And, and I've kind of set my mind to saying, okay, he might not be the greatest decision maker, uh, Cole Anthony, but I think at the least he could be like a Jamal Murray type. And again, you get Jamal Murray at number five in this draft, I think you come out as a winner. So uh, that's the type of player I, I expect to see Cole Anthony turn into. I'm not so sure. I'm not so confident that he's going to make such progress with his decision-making, facilitating that he's going to be an eight-assist-per-game guy. Uh, it'll, he'll always be a scorer over a passer. He can make all the passes in the book, but his mindset is always to attack. Uh, and, and, you know, he's got that pull-up. The pull-up is his go-to shot, which on one hand is a shot that can propel a player to 30 points a game. On the other hand, it can lead to inefficiency because no matter how good you are with the pull-up, there's only so, uh, there's only so efficient you could be with that shot as your go-to shot. So anyway, I think he's going to be a big scorer in the league. I'm just not so sure you want him as your lead decision maker. He might actually be better off as a two guard uh, with more of a natural passer at the one. Um, But having said that, he's just a guard and he's just a a scorer. And I think at number five overall, um, that's an appropriate value for him based on who else is in this year's field. Number six is maybe one of the higher prospects in the draft and he's not playing in college. Killian Hayes. Uh, Hayes has been on a, a, a pretty noticeable tear overseas, uh, playing in Euro Cup and in the German League. Hayes is a six-five, uh, very crafty ball handler and passer and playmaker. That's really his bread and butter. Is setting the table for teammates. He averages six assists in Euro Cup um, at 18 years old, which is really really impressive. Uh, but what p- puts him in this top 10 mix, maybe even the top five mix, is the flashes he's shown as a shooter. Last year he was 14 of 77. Uh, from behind the arc. I should say, by the way, Flash is not just the shooter, but as a shot creator and scorer. Last year, 14 of 77 from uh, behind the arc. This year in Euro Cup, he's at 39% from three. Not only is he making more outside shots, but we're seeing flashes of impressive step-back footwork. He's got the floater down. Um, He's become more of a well-rounded scorer uh, to to really complement his passing and playmaking. And uh, I tweeted this out yesterday, dating back to the beginning of last year, the beginning of 2018 season he's shooting 86 percent from the free throw line on 178 attempts so he clearly has touch from the outside um, he's not the most explosive athlete but you know he's not completely stiff he's shifty off the dribble um, again he's very crafty with the ball in his hands he's a lefty which I think gives him a slight edge because most guards just forget that it's coming he reminds me a lot of Goran Dragic um, uh, that's the type of guy I think he could be. Dra- Dragic is a you know, borderline all-star. I think he was an all-star, actually, in the prime of his career. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think I feel pretty good about Hayes, somebody I had as a fringe lottery pick entering the season. But uh, he's certainly improved his stock, his offensive game uh, as a scorer, um, and, and he's been very productive overseas. So I think he's really in that mix with Cole Anthony, um, as, in, as is the next point guard I have, or should I say just the next guard? I don't want to give him a particular label. Um, Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky I have at number seven. Another guy I just really value his floor. I mean, he's such a pro. I think he's just like an obvious 
guard pro, um, even if I don't really have super confidence that he'll ever be an all-star. But 6'3", he's got this strong body. I think he's a much better shooter than his 28% three-point percentage suggests. You know, it's a it's 14 games. You know, it just could be a, a rough patch for him. I, I've seen him in high school. He's a much better shot maker, again, than the percentages suggest. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year, his three-point percentage is closer to 33 34%. Uh, but anyway, um, again, he's just very well-rounded, very skilled. Uh, another guy who, who plays uh, the right way, good energy, defends with toughness, a uh, crafty finisher around the basket, plays through contact, has a floater, has a pull-up game from deep. Uh, just uh, he, he checks a lot of boxes out there, except maybe being a, a true point guard. You know, at 6'3", I guess that's technically undersized for a two-guard, and he's not a natural point guard. He's never going to be a high-assist guy. Um, he actually grades in the 75th percentile in pick-and-rolls, um, but he's not a natural facilitator. Having said that, I think he's a good enough passer. He's, uh, he, he's the, the typical combo guard. Um, you got to pair him with the right type of guard. Um, but, but again, the right team hopefully does that when they're in the draft. And so I, I just think Max, he's such a safe bet, another high floor guy. Feel good about him um, being a role player from day one till year number 10 in the league. Um, at number eight, Tyrese Halliburton, Iowa State point guard. Uh, another one who's really made an impression... You know, I had him in the, uh, I think, mid-20s to start the year. I always question whether Halliburton could score uh, in that NBA level. And to me, you know, you want your lead ball handler, the guy who has the ball making all your decisions, uh, to be able to go get buckets in today's league. And Halliburton averaged like eight points a game last year. He has no explosiveness to his game. Uh, He's got a really unorthodox shooting release. Uh, But this year, um, he's up to 16 points per game. Uh, he's been much more effective off the dribble, even without the burst. Um, his floater, he made two floaters last year. This year, he's already like 11 of 22. Um, he's super efficient inside the arc, over 60%. Uh, takes good shots, despite, you know, again, lacking that burst and explosiveness. He, uh, he, he takes good shots, and he makes good shots inside the arc. And behind the arc, he's making two and a half threes per game, shooting over 40% from downtown, even with that strange, unorthodox release I do have questions about um, his pull-up game and whether his particular release is conducive for shooting off the dribble. It's the same thing as Lonzo Ball, but uh, as you're seeing right now, Lonzo Ball is proving, uh, by the way, triple-double threat every night, Lonzo Ball. It's proving that maybe you don't need to score 20 points a game if you're that good of a passer, and Hal Burton is that good of a passer, averaging nearly eight assists per game, and that's with his teammates shooting 29% from three. Um, he is uh, just a terrific basketball IQ and vision. Um, Lonzo Ball is like the perfect comparison for Halliburton, not just in their skill set, but also 6'6 guys uh, who, again, lack that athleticism and that scoring upside. And as long as they can make enough open shots, um, I think they could be they can hold plenty of value at the starting point guard position. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Halliburton ended up going top five in this draft to a team that just saw a guaranteed... Um, offensive enhancer for, for the other four guys on the floor, right? He, he, the right team may say, okay, you know what? We have scores uh, in place of the two, three, four, or five positions. We don't need a guy like Kyrie Irving um, to dominate the ball and take all the shots at the point. We just need a guy to get everybody in the right positions, uh, make the game easier for them. You may even see, see a team like the Knicks, you know, look at Halliburton and say, we got to get this guy because we finally need to get a, a really good decision maker um, at our lead guard spot. 
At number nine, we have Israel's Denny Abdiya, actually coming off his best game of his pro career, 22 points, uh, four assists um, in the Israeli league. I mean, he's just, he's really good and well-rounded. Um, he, he may not be uh, elite in any one area, but for the, for the versatility he brings to the table for a 6'8 forward, um, another guy who just has a monstrously high floor in this draft. He is just such a, it's so easy to see um, a, a role player in the NBA once he eventually uh, matures physically, you know, still 18 years old. But he's held his own. He's shooting 45% in EuroLeague. He's shooting over 50% in the Israeli League. His shooting, his three-point percentage um, isn't great, but if the eye test just looks at it and says, okay, this guy could clearly make threes, you know, uh, he can clearly pass, you know, even though he does not a high assist average, he could clearly pass and, and be like a point forward type um, if given space to operate or give him ball screens. He just checks a lot of boxes in terms of his skill set and plus he has that 6'8 size um, and enough mobility to his game where we don't really question whether or not the, the skill set can can. Um, translate against NBA-level defenders. By the way, his defense um, has also been pretty impressive, uh, not just in terms of one-on-one and holding his own, but he makes good rotations. He's just a smart player. Um, I, I really like him. Um, again, maybe I'm not. I, you don't see a star player, but you're not going to get a star player um, outside of the top five, even the top three in this draft. Again, another guy who you just value his floor. He's going to fit on any team, uh, no matter you know who they have in their lineup. James Wiseman is number 10 for me. Uh, Wiseman, to me, is just strictly all measurements, right? Yeah, if you're drafting Wiseman, you're drafting 7-1, wingspan. I think that's all you can really hang your head on. Um, he's going to get to easy baskets. He's going to block shots for you. But after three games at Memphis, he wasn't able to show anything other than that. And uh, just watching him throughout high school, you know, occasionally you see a nice hook shot. Um, you see a mid-range jumper. But nothing that suggests that He's, you know, advanced in any of those skills. And defensively, he blocks a lot of shots because he's just so long and tall, but that doesn't necessarily translate or, or really mean um, impact defense. And uh, I don't picture him being a great away-from-the-rim defender. And so uh, I think that the value of that type of big guy in today's league has kind of uh, gone down. Um, but in this draft at number 10 overall, I mean, he won't go 10, by the way. He's going to go top five. Uh, but for me, I, I, I have more question marks. Um, I think it's fine to draft him in the late lottery just based on his physical measurements. But if you're drafting him top three, to me, that suggests that you're looking for another type of you know, big score in your lineup. And I just, I don't know what to tell you. I just don't see a, a big score. I, I don't see the feel for the game. I don't see the perimeter touch where he's going to be a consistent shooter. Uh, and I don't see him being... Um, sharp enough with the ball in his hands to be somebody you give the ball to in the half court and say, go get me a basket. Um, but anyway, again, easy baskets. He's going to shoot you know, 55% from the floor. He's going to get you uh, blocks and rebounds. Um, but in today's league, that's just not enough to, for me to, to, to reach um, that high in the draft, particularly after watching him for just three games and then leaving. At number 11, I have Obi Toppin um, from Dayton. Uh, the, one of the breakout players this year. I really like his game. He, he's he's turned into a pretty skilled offensive player, super uh, explosive and strong. That was always the, the initial draw to him. But this year, um, one of the better post players in the country. He's suddenly knocking down threes. He's averaging over two assists per game, which I know isn't a big deal. But given where he gets the ball on the floor, um, it kind of is. He's a very good passer. Uh, defensively, nothing special. Uh, that's never going to be his bread and butter. And, and I think as long as he gets to average defensively, um, he's got the chance to be like a John Collins type. 
Um, and, and to me, that's that's worthy of, of a late lottery pick in this year's draft. At number 12, I have Nico Mannion, who uh, has fallen for me. I had Mannion as high as number four. Um, I think we're seeing some some difficulty with him separating um, when his jumper's not falling. I mean, he really rarely gets... He's got eight buckets um, at the rim all season in the half court. Um, he doesn't get to the basket a lot. He relies on, on his perimeter shooting, and he's a good shooter, but not good enough yet. Uh, I, I, he's a very good passer, um, but again, I question, you know, how much is he going to be able to score at the next level um, at 6'3", with no real wingspan, not much athleticism. Uh, he's still a lottery player to me because of how well-rounded he is for a guard. He's super competitive as well. Um, a good enough jumper, a good enough passer, and a competitive enough kid for me to put in the lottery. But to take him top five or top seven, uh, I think you got to expect star point guard. I just don't see him being the star point guard. Also, if you really are into analytics and stats, he doesn't have a block all season. Now, I know you're saying, why would the point guard have any blocks? But he doesn't have any. Uh, and to me, that really just uh, highlights his real lack of athletic ability or functional athleticism. And if you look down the list um, of point guards who, who finished the season without any blocks, you're not going to find many NBA players. Um, and, and I know I'm not saying Madden isn't an NBA player. I just question his star potential. And if you're taking a point guard um, in the draft that high, you really have to expect, you, you don't want to take a backup point guard with a top 10 pick. I don't think he's going to be a backup, uh, but I see him more as a lower end starter than a higher end starter, which to me says more of a late lottery pick than top five, top seven. I got RJ Hampton. Um, from the New Zealand Breakers at number 13. Another guy who doesn't have any specialty bankable skill, but he's pretty well-rounded. He's got 6'5 size. He's athletic. Quick first step in the half court. He's good in transition. He could pass. He can make open shots. Um, and then on the negative side, he can make open shots, but he's not a shooter. He could pass, but he's not a natural playmaker or a point guard. Um, he's athletic, but he struggles a little bit at the rim. So that's what I'm saying. That's I have some hesitation with him. Um, in terms of projecting his, his ceiling, but uh, he does enough things well. He's a mature kid. Um, he's been relatively productive overseas at 18 years old. Um, so uh, I got him as a late lottery guy. That's pretty much how he started for me. Um, and, and he just came back from an injury. He hasn't been very good since coming back. But uh, I don't think much is going to change for me in terms of his draft stock. I see him as a late lottery guy. Um, Josh Green, I have at number 14. Another guy who I've had right in the same mix pretty much the whole year. We know what he could do. We know what he can't. Josh Green uh, is super athletic. He's one of the best wing defenders in the draft, uh, both with his energy. Um, his, his closeouts are just so sharp. He has such control on those closeouts. Um, offensively, he's one of the best transition players in the country. Um, he can pass, uh, but just like kind of R.J. Hampton, right? he can make open shots, but he's not a shooter. Uh, he can pass, but he's not a playmaker. Um, in the half court, he can't really create his own shot very well. Uh, he could slash. He's got a nice floater to his game. Um, I just see him as a, as a solid role player, a defensive-minded player. He's going to play hard uh, every minute that he's on the floor, but I don't see his scoring upside uh, or playmaking upside being very high. And for a wing player, to me, that says tough to take him top 10. All right, let's start moving a little quicker now as we move in to the mid to late first round, 15 I have Trey Jones. This is the highest I've ever had Trey Jones from Duke. Why? Because he's improved his pull-up game, his scoring, he's shooting 40%, 42% on pull-up jumpers. Um, and, uh, you know, we always, you can bank on Trey Jones passing and defense, um, which always suggested he was going to be a fine backup. But now that he's knocking down pull-ups, he's being a bit more aggressive and sharper as a scorer, I think he's worthy of a mid-first round pick. 
Number 16, a big riser. One of the biggest risers I've had all season was off my board to start the year. Uh, last time I moved him into the 20s. Now I'm 16. Sadiq Bey um, from Villanova, a 6'8 wing who's just scored 33 points against Georgetown, shooting 44% from behind the arc. I buy his physical tools for defensive versatility. Um, I buy his shooting. Uh, and I think he's a very smart passer and he uses his strength to his advantage to score around the basket. Efficient player, 3 and D, but I think there's a little more uh, offensive upside to unlock. 17, another guy who was off my board to start the year and is suddenly top 20. Devin Vassell, Florida State, small forward. Uh, one of the best defenders in the draft, both on the ball and off the ball. Just a really high defensive IQ and shooting around 38% from behind the arc this year. Classic 3 and D guy. I'm not sure he has anything else to his game um, or, or, or how much he's going to add. He has improved a little bit as a pull-up shooter, um, but, but I'm hanging my hat on his shooting and defense. And I think, again, in this draft, to get a good 3 and D wing is worth a mid-to-late first-round pick. And number 18, Aaron Neesmith. Uh, Neesmith just hurt his foot and will be out for the season. Really disappointing. He's having one of the best shooting seasons of any prospect I've evaluated since joining Bleacher Report. He's shooting over 52% from behind the arc on over eight three-point attempts per game. Um, he's 6'6". Uh, he's flashed some more scoring versatility inside the arc. Uh, the guy just knows how to put the ball in the bucket. And for that good of a shooter... Um, for a sophomore player with those physical tools, to me, that's good enough um, to be taken in that mid to late first round. Number 19, Teo Maladon, uh, started top 10, top 11 for me. Uh, hasn't made a huge offensive jump, but he's holding his own. He's been pretty efficient overseas. Uh, 6'3 point guard slash shooting guard. Not a crazy fast playmaker, good passer. Um, compensates for lack of burst with really good body control and skill. Um, and again, playing Euroleague and holding his own um, as a shot maker, as a passer. Again, I think he's worth a top 20 pick. And at number 20, Patrick Williams, another Florida State guy. This is pretty much where we had him to start the year. Um, th- the value to Patrick Williams is a 6'8 size um, and, and his 225 pound toned frame. Really strong, a lot of strength for defending inside the arc, quickness to defend around the perimeter. Offensively, he is limited in terms of creating shots, uh, but he's flashed some impressive touch around the perimeter. He's 11 of 19 on pull-up jumpers. Uh, He's shown some three-point range, and if he could build on his ball skills, I think he's got uh, clearly first-round potential and upside. 21, Jaden McDaniels, Washington. There are going to be teams who have him top five, top seven, uh, you know, I love the idea of Jaden McDaniels, a 6'9 wing who could put it on the floor, create, knock down threes. Um, but I don't think he has a good feel for impacting winning. And I don't think he's sharp enough at this point um, to picture him executing, you know, his, his shot creation and shot making, finishing against NBA level defenders. He's also a little bit older for his age. Um, it doesn't have the intangibles to match the talent. So for me, he's more of a boomer bust guy, and, and I value that somewhere um, in the in the mid to late first round. Twenty two, Vernon Carey Jr., uh, super productive. Um, I I've been back and forth with Vernon Carey, but uh, he's he's looked too skilled and uh, more mobile than I expected. And, um, you know, one of the big knocks on him, he's more of an old-school back-to-the-basket player. He's not going to be able to defend the perimeter or stretch the floor. But, um, listen, we just saw Jaleel Okafor score 25 points in an NBA game. If you're good enough, um, you know, as a post-scorer, uh, you're going to find your spots. You know, maybe he's like an Ennis Cantor. I don't know. But he, he's good enough to be an NBA player. 
Uh, and so uh, late first round, sure, got no problem um, with taking a guy like Vernon Carey. 23 of Preston Achua from Memphis. Uh, I don't have a ton of confidence in his offensive game, but I'm really intrigued by a guy who's like 6'10", 225, uh, who moves his feet as well as Achua does. Um, so defensive versatility is really the draw to him for me. Offensively, he's actually starting to make some spot-up threes, but um, I'm not sure I'm buying them. And I'm not really buying his decision-making with the ball in his hands. He's going to get you the easy baskets just based on his physical tools and mobility and all that. Um, but I have him in the 20s as opposed to the lottery where some other people have him because I just don't really trust his offensive polish in terms of skill and decision-making. 24, I have Kyra Lewis, the 18-year-old sophomore from Alabama, super quick off the dribble. Um, I wish he was a little bit better shooting off the dribble. Um, and... Uh, and I wish he made some better decisions, but uh, good can, can make really high-level passes. Uh, good footwork off the dribble to, to get to the basket. Super quick first step for breaking down defenses. Um, his finishing is kind of on and off. Sometimes it's lack of explosiveness shows. Other times he's very crafty um, with the way he contorts and adjusts his body midair. Um, I, I think the, the risk is worth the reward somewhere. Um, probably I have him at 24, but if you know you have him as a, a mid first rounder, that's fine with me. I moved Gonzaga's Killian Tilly to number 25. Um, of course, that will change if there's a red flag that pops up in his medical reports. He's always got like a foot problem, he's missed a lot of games. But uh, for a 6'10 guy, he's a terrific shooter, uh, career like 42% from downtown, uh, very skilled in the post, a very skilled passer. I think he moves his feet pretty well defensively, he's not crazy athletic. But uh, he is a modern-day NBA big man with shooting, passing, and defensive versatility. As long as he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a steal in this draft. I have Washington's Isaiah Stewart at number 26. Um, you know, some might have him in the lottery. I just I don't really care that much for a low-post guy who doesn't pass, who doesn't shoot, who can't switch defensively. Um, he's really strong. He's an enforcer around the basket, um, and, and he's an NBA player. So, you, you, you know, no matter where you take him, it's nice, I guess, to say, okay, I'm guaranteed to get an NBA player in this draft. But uh, I think his ceiling is just not high enough for somebody I want to... I'd, I'd rather take a chance. I'd rather take a gamble uh, on somebody else with a much higher ceiling than him. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm pretty confident that he'll find a way to carve out um, a, a long career just by being tough around the basket, getting offensive rebounds, uh, getting low, point, low post buckets, and, and finishing around the rim. 27, I have Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who's uh, slid a lot for me. I had him as a top 10 pick to start the year. Um, and he's, he's smart. He's skilled. Uh, he's got terrific rebounding instincts. Um, his lack of explosiveness and strength kind of shows up a little bit. And I thought he'd be a bet, better shooter than he has been. But uh, I'm not ready to jump off the wagon just yet. I've just moved him from late lottery to late first round. Um, at number 28, DePaul's uh, Paul Reed who uh, is going to be the first player, I think, since um, Nerland's Noel to average at least three blocks and one and a half steals. Really unique defensive playmaking numbers. And he's averaging a double-double, 15 and 10. So he's putting together a really impressive statistical season. He's 6'9". I wish he was shooting better from the perimeter than he is. He's not crazy quick defensively in terms of switching, moving his feet laterally. But uh, I think there's enough there in terms of the production and the physical tools and the skill set that's in place to say he's worthy of a late first-round pick. 29, Robert Woodard II from Mississippi State. Um, 6'7", crazy strong, crazy tough, super explosive. Um, not a high-volume three-point shooter, but he's shooting 50% from behind the arc. He makes the open shots. He takes 
He's really tough around the basket. I don't know if he does anything else, um, but I expect him to be a tough defender, a capable shot maker. Um, I think the guy that we kind of all uh, were hoping that um, Justin Anderson from Virginia, who you know keeps finding a way of surfacing around the NBA but never really sticks, I think Woodard has a chance to be uh, the better version of him. Um, at tw- and then at 30, um, we have Alexej Pokusevsky from Olympiakos, the beat squad. Um, he really, you know, made a name for himself over the summer um, at the uh, European Championships. And listen, he's an obvious project. Uh, and I probably should have had him on my board before. This is the first time I've actually written about him and put him down. Um, but when you're, you know, looking for new names and, and scouring um, the international scene because there's just not a lot of exciting NCAA prospects, you know, I, I should have put Poku in this mix before. He's just... There's just too many unique things about the fact that he is seven feet tall. Um, he's a terrific passer, three-point shooter, and shot blocker. He's been productive enough in Spain's second division, and uh, and so I think he's another one of those boomer bust guys. Uh, but the potential boom, I mean, he just checks a really unique set of boxes. For 31 through 50, let's just fly through them. Um, at 31, more international. Leandro Balmaro from Barcelona. At 32, Carlos Alosen. Um, 33, Scotty Lewis from Florida, who uh, I wish he was just more polished offensively, but love his defensive um, competitiveness and athleticism. Number 34, Jamias Ramsey, Texas Tech. 35, Aaron Henry, Michigan State. 36, Xavier Tillman from Michigan State, who uh, another guy who has checked some really interesting uh, set of boxes with his shot blocking, his passing, and his rebounding. 37, Jordan Moore from Louisville. 38, Caleb Weston from Ohio State. 39, Devon Dotson, Kansas point guard. 4D, Cassie Swinson, Michigan State. 41, Tyrell Terry from Stanford, who I think is a big sleeper, probably for the 2021 draft. Excited to see um, his development and uh, if he ended up declaring this year. Uh, uh, 42, uh, DJ Carton from Ohio State, who is also a guy who uh, I'm really excited about his long-term future. I'm not sure he's a 2020 prospect but uh, somebody who's really made an impression and starting to generate buzz. Um, at 43, Grant Riller from uh, Charleston, having a monster season. 44, Zeke Naji from Arizona. 45, Ashton Hagens, Kentucky, um, who's, who's been much better offensively. Actually, almost had a triple-double the other day, 15-99. 46, Desmond Bain, TCU. 47, Saban Lee Vanderbilt, who's really caught my eye this year. Um, and now with Neesmith out, he's going to have a chance to put up some big numbers. Uh, 48, Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. 49, Derek Austin Jr. from Boise State. And number 50, Miles Powell, Seton Hall, one of the best shot makers in the country. Uh, this weekend, I'll be headed to Hoopal Classic in Springfield to check out the top high school prospects. That's what we'll be, that's what I'll cover uh, on the next episode of The Lottery. Thanks for listening to the top 50 list. Um, And we'll get a guest next week to go back and forth again, uh, talk about some of the, the high school guys and who we should be looking forward to for the 2021 draft.